day, everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. A little later in the show, we are going to talk about Governor Whitmer's new orders in response to the rapidly growing cases of COVID-19 in our state. As the governor said yesterday, we are in the middle of perhaps the darkest period since the pandemic began in the spring. And she is trying to encourage people to do the kind of things that we need to do to keep each other safe. And she is going to require some pretty dramatic changes for certain kinds of businesses. We're going to be joined by Dustin Walsh of Cranes Detroit Business to talk about the economic effect of what the governor is doing. And we're going to want to hear from you about what you think about these new restrictions. How are you feeling about the idea of going back to the way things were in the spring when lots of things were shut down, when schools were offering only virtual learning, when the world was turned suddenly upside down for everyone? It seems like we are headed pretty quickly and aggressively back in that direction. And we really want to hear from you about how you're feeling about that. We're going to get started with that conversation at just about 940. But first today, with a new administration in Washington getting ready to take over, there is hope for the first time in years among progressive activists that they might have a sympathetic ear in the White House. For women of color who are fighting for racial and economic justice, they also have someone who has lived in their shoes, ready to be sworn in as vice president. We want to start the show today talking about what this moment means for black and brown women who are on the front lines of policy battles here in Michigan and what their hopes and concerns are heading into the next four years. Joining me now is Ebony Taylor. She is Michigan Executive Director for Mothering Justice, a Detroit-based advocacy group. Ebony, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you very much for being with us. So first of all, talk about what this moment means to you as a woman of color, as an activist, and as a mother Uh, Not just the election of Joe Biden as a Democrat, as somebody who's got a pretty progressive agenda that he's embraced, but of course, the election of Kamala Harris uh, as vice president, Uh, this incredible ceiling smashing moment. I'd love to hear your reaction to all of that. Uh, Sure. So needless to say, um, this moment is absolutely tremendous. Um, as a black woman and as a mother and actually having um, engaged with uh, then Senator um, Harris during her presidential run, um, it, it feels great to to have someone who is very well aware of our mama's agenda, which is our policy agenda and mothering justice, someone who has already uh, spoken out around many of the issues that we are deeply concerned about. But um, just like I was telling my husband, um, when, I mean, the day that we all found out that Biden um, will be president-elect and, and Kamala Harris will be VP-elect, um, it feels very Obama-esque, uh, just that moment and watching her give her first uh, speech as VP-elect and um, definitely an emotional moment 
Um, and her, I, I think what she said deeply resonated with not only myself, but a lot of uh, black women, women of color, mothers uh, around the country. Uh, we know a lot of the issues that we've heard re rehearsed over and over again. Um, about, uh, for instance, black maternal care, uh, you know, knowing that those things will be in the forefront of, uh, of her mind and in this administration. I mean, those are our hopes. Mm. So you manage Mothering Justice's policy initiative, which is called, I love this, the Mama's Agenda. Uh, <laughs> tell us what that is and what policies you're trying to get uh, air for in Washington and here in, in Michigan. Sure, absolutely. So our, yes, we put mama in front of everything. So we're mothering <laughs> justice. So everything we do has a has a mama in front of it. But um, our mama's agenda is essentially, like I said, our policy agenda is absolutely curated by the voices of moms. Um, our organizers are in the community. I mean, even during these times, they're, you know, not physically. And in some cases they are um, because we started a... Um, during COVID, we started a diaper and baby formula drive to meet the needs of moms, which is one of our first time um, first times doing direct service. Um, but you know, our organizers are having conversations with moms every day, um, and they uh, the issues that rise to the top of these conversations over hundreds and hundreds of conversations. Those are the issues that we add to our mama's agenda, and so. Um, there are four issues that we are uh, laser focused on right mm -hmm. now. One is black maternal uh, justice, um, which includes two things. It includes the black maternal um, health work. Uh, it, it also includes uh, maternal incarceration, where we're seeing uh, a growing number of black women and women of color entering the prison system. We're seeing um, a number of them pregnant or and they're coming in pregnant, some of them, and they're not getting water. They're not getting the nutrients they need uh, and the attention that they need while they are imprisoned. And um, that should not be the case. Dignity should not be stripped while mothers are um, incarcerated. Uh, we also focus on paid family leave and paid sick days. Uh, Mothering Justice actually led the fight um, to get earned paid sick days, uh, earned paid sick days law. I was supposed to, as you might recall, it was supposed to go on the ballot in 2018, but instead it was uh, adopted uh, mm. uh, by our GOP led uh, legislature and then it was amended in the same session. And so uh, the constitutionality of that uh, was raised at the uh, state Supreme Court level. Uh, they did not offer an opinion. And so even though we look at it as a, you know, we look at it as a win, but it's certainly not uh, the original intent and it's not the original version that the people of Michigan um, wanted to see. So we're actually still fighting for that. The other thing, um, the third thing is uh, quality and affordable childcare. Um, it's mm -hmm. been, it was, <laughs> it was strained before COVID and it's certainly, uh, the market is certainly strained now. Uh, so what we're seeing is moms who are essential workers having to um, still go into work, but with childcare not as you know readily available as it was before, although scarce, 
um, it's, it's, it's even more scarce now. And so one of the things that we're leaning in um, pretty heavy on is uh, non-traditional childcare, um, which is, you know, auntie, neighbors, uh, you know, you, you, it's not the traditional setting, but that um, slice of the market actually needs to be um, held up and not ignored. Uh, the families that are, uh, and, and again, non-traditional caregivers need to, need to be lifted up, especially now. Mm. Um, and then our fourth area is, is safety net. So again, another area that was already struggling before COVID, we're now seeing uh, efforts, you know, during this pandemic, a lot of people weren't paying attention to this, but uh, President Trump um, was trying to cut, cut SNAP benefits uh, to families. And so uh, our fight is always, you know, around not putting a lot of restrictions around safety net because these are these are moms and these are families who are already already working two and three jobs in some cases, um, you know, and still still being able to qualify says a lot for you know still being able to qualify for these safety net um, resources says a lot already. But then adding additional restrictions uh, is something that we're fighting against as well. So those are our four issues that we're focusing on right mm -hmm. now. And we're super um, excited to continue to hear from from moms in the community, women of color, uh, so that we're we're maintain maintaining it and highlighting the most pressing issues. Mm. I, I want to go back to the paid sick time, earned paid sick time issue, and talk about why that's so important to working mothers and why it's one of those issues that you guys have have front and center. I'm not sure that's something that people automatically think of uh, as as a, the kind of issue that that needs urgent attention. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we saw during this pandemic um, that had we actually passed um, and it's, you know, you might hear me chuckling a bit and it is because it's not funny, but it's just almost just um, it's so ironic. But uh, during this pandemic, so many people, you know, it, it didn't matter if you were GOP, it didn't matter if you were dumb, man, what, it, it did not matter um, who you were, but the, the need for earned paid sick time was, was needed. It mm -hmm. was needed across the board. It was needed across this country, definitely across the state of Michigan. And so had the, um, had the original version of the law uh, the bill been passed, um, way more people uh, in the millions would have been covered under uh, under that version. And so what we saw was um, huge numbers, obviously, of people applying for unemployment. Um, we saw folks pretty much desperate to to you know, they were between having to take care of their families, take care of their children. We saw many. Um, we saw many folks who were uh, needing to take care of a parent or an elderly family member, and they had to choose between that and um, maintaining an income mm -hmm. and their job, you know, maintaining a job for their families. And so no, no person, no family should have to endure that, especially during the times that we are in right now. And I mean, on the brink of another 
uh, uh, set of restrictions. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we're hearing from working moms that they just need more. They don't, they shouldn't have to wrestle between those two, their families and their income. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking with Ebony Taylor. She's the Michigan executive director of Mothering Justice, which is a Detroit-based advocacy group. We're talking about a progressive agenda for women and especially for mothers and how possible that agenda might be now that Joseph Biden is likely to be uh, the president of the United States. Uh, he was elected as the president of the United States a few weeks ago. We're still waiting for all of the, the sort of formality of that to take hold because of the current occupant in the White House and uh, his resistance to that idea. But come January 20th, Joe Biden will be inaugurated as uh, the next president of the United States. Also inaugurated with him will be Kamala Harris, the first woman of color to be the vice president of the United States. <clears throat> if you want to give us a call and join the conversation, give us a call and let us know what you think about the opportunity that might represent uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in charge uh, for the agenda of uh, mothers and women. Uh, tell us what some of the biggest obstacles are that you're facing raising a child while trying to maintain your professional life right now. What are some of the ways you think society makes it harder on parents and especially mothers than it should be? Also call and tell us what you think a Biden-Harris administration will mean for progressive policy goals and whether you're excited or nervous about what the next four years are going to look like. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter and put comments there and uh, we'll work you into the conversation. And remember, in a little bit, we are going to talk little more about the new COVID restrictions that have been announced here in the state of Michigan and how businesses are going to react, how parents and families are going to react now that uh, school is going to be disrupted again for an awful lot of people. Uh, we'll want to hear from you as well about that. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones again. Uh, Ebony, I'm going to ask you about the U.S. Supreme Court now having a larger conservative majority than it did before and what that might mean for women's health. Uh, what are your thoughts and concerns about what that might mean for this part of your agenda? So the, as I mentioned, we have our black maternal health, which we, we lift up uh, constantly. Um, you know, we're deeply concerned about this issue. We're deeply concerned, um, you know, mainly about the um, dire numbers that Black women face already um, <laughs> under current standards. Mm -hmm. um, as many of you, I hope, know, um, Black women are three to three to four times more likely to die from childbirth-related causes uh, than their uh, white counterparts. And so, you know, we're already faced with such um, you know, uh, bleak numbers, and you know, it's 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 taking it's taking so much to just get those uh, uplifted in and uh, you know national discourse at this point, which is another reason why um, I'm so very proud and I'm looking forward to what can come out of this administration because uh, again, then then Senator now uh, VP elect Harris um, has uplifted these issues. Um, 
you know, during her time as a senator. In 2018 and 2020, she introduced the uh, Maternal Care Act, uh, which includes allocating funds to stop racial bias um, in maternal care and to better recognize high-risk pregnancies and address them um, in, a, in a culturally competent way. And actually, in, in this year of 2020, in July um, 2020, uh, Senator Harris, then Senator Harris introduced legislation to support uterine fibroid research, which black women are disproportionately impacted by. Um, black women develop uterine fibroids earlier, have, you know, larger, they're larger, they're greater mm -hmm. in number, and, um, and our black women are three times more likely than white women to be hospitalized for uterine fibroids. These are two um, critical, these are two critical policies that, um, that Harris has up, uplifted. And we know that this will carry on over to um, this administration. So in, in terms of the Supreme Court, I believe that this administration will do whatever it needs to do. There's a lot of conversation ab around court packing mm -hmm. and I, I certainly can't get into that, but <laughs> obviously there is a concern uh, about the direction of the court, but I'm hoping that legislatively we can get a lot done to, to counter um, some of the things that, you know, may, may come out of it. Uh, hopefully nothing that uh, it's too damaging. I mean, it's, it's so hard to say, but it's certainly a concern, Steve. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you think about it, I mean, having having Joe Biden as president, having Kamala Harris as vice president, I mean, those are big steps in the right way. But you do, but you do have to still have uh, a little more, I think, uh, to be able to to blunt some of the things that uh, conservatives have done in the recent past and seem on the edge of doing now in the future. Uh, I mean, it, 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 there's a relief, I think, that people are feeling about uh, the new president and the new vice president, but uh, but there's not time to relax, I think. I mean, it's still time to, to stand up and, uh, and, and, and push back, uh, and, mm -hmm. and you're going to need them to do that. Let's go to uh, Joan in Southfield. Joan. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Hi. I have one comment, and I will hang up after I make this comment. But okay. there is, I feel, an urgent knowledge for the, the, the listeners to have an awareness of their own powers, of their food resources, because this is what it, it boils down to. They have to have a nourishment of body as relates to mind mm -hmm. and the constipation of the mind in, in, in order to, to move forward with their, with their own personal agenda. A person has to know, know that where they, they get their food resources from, mm -hmm. the origin of, of those resources, mm -hmm. where it comes from, the food labeling of the of the of what you purchase on the on the phone, you you need to they need to learn where the food is coming mm. from, mm. the processes of it. Yeah, it jo is, Joan, I I appreciate the call and and the thoughts there, both about access and information as it relates to food. Uh, Ebony, one of the things that we have seen 
quite tragically, in fact, during the pandemic, is the the increase in food scarcity, food insecurity, yeah. uh, and that that plays havoc in people's families, and that means it falls heavy on on women who in many cases are 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 leading those families it's it's one of the issues that i think has been highlighted uh, the most uh, during the pandemic yeah absolutely and um which is uh, and thank you for that that comment um joan really appreciate you lifting that um it's such a powerful um you know um uh, you know comment for sure. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. But um, yeah, we actually, Mothering Justice partnered with um, partnered with the Franklin Wright Settlements mm-hmm. um, at the top of the pandemic. We are actually still working with them. They give away food every Monday. Um, and I, I'm sorry, I don't know their address. I know it's on Charlevoix, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, in Detroit, but they give away food every Monday uh, from three to five. So actually they they will be giving away food today. We actually partner with them every Monday and joined forces to give away diapers and baby formula. Um, just again, to meet the needs. And Franklin Wright was doing this pre-COVID and I never knew about it, but, um, but I'm so happy that we are in partnership with them. The other thing that's important about Joan's comment is um, the SNAP benefits. As I mentioned, mm. um, the president uh, was moving during the pandemic uh, to reduce SNAP payments and SNAP benefits. And the great thing about them, um, certainly in Michigan, is that you can use them at places like Eastern Market. You can use them at your local um, um, market. It's, I know there are a few around the city of Detroit. Uh, there are few, uh, quite a few around the state. And so that access to the farmers who um, you, you can utilize your SNAP benefits with farmers who you you know you know where the source of your food is coming from. These are healthy. Um, these are healthy options for families, and uh, certainly shouldn't be cut. You know, especially during these times. Mm. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with Ebony Taylor about uh, the potential for progressive legislative and other kinds of agendas in Washington now that there is going to be a Democrat in the White House and the first woman of color as the vice president. We want to continue to hear from you as well. What are your expectations for the Biden administration? Uh, Do you expect that they will focus on women and women of color and their needs more than the Trump administration did? And what would that look like if it happened? 313-577-1019, as always, is the number here on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. I'm talking with Ebony Taylor, who is Michigan Executive Director of Mothering Justice, a Detroit based advocacy group. We're talking about the incoming 
presidential administration and how different it will be than the current administration, how different it will be specifically when it comes to issues that affect women and in particular women of color. Of course, uh, Kamala Harris will be sworn in on January 20th as the first woman of color to be the vice president of the United States. But you've also got Joe Biden as president of the United States. And together they have embraced an agenda that looks really different than what we have had for the last four years under Donald Trump. The question is, how effective will they be at enacting that agenda and making a difference for the issues uh, that confound mothers and women of color uh, all over this country. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us what your expectations are for this new administration when it comes to women's issues uh, and issues for women of color. Uh, Give us a call and let us know uh, how excited maybe you are for that potential or maybe nervous that the potential won't be reached. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter and put comments there, and we'll try to work them into the conversation. In a little bit, we are also going to talk about these new COVID-19 restrictions that uh, take effect on Wednesday. The governor announced them yesterday. We're going to talk about what that means from a public health standpoint, but also from the standpoint of businesses who are, again, going to have to adapt and perhaps scale back on their operations uh, because of the public health needs. Uh, Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, Ebony, a recent column in the Washington Post calls on Joe Biden to appoint women to fill half of the cabinet positions. Uh, Columnist Monica Hess writes, That's not just fair, it's smart. I wonder what uh, your reaction is to that idea. I am so glad that we're digging into this because, (laughs) I mean, it's, (laughs) yes, it's beyond fair. I think it's beyond time. Um, A lot of what we talk about at Mothering Justice right now is uh, leadership. A lot of what we talk about at Mothering Justice is also um, Black women being one of the most loyal voting blocks um, and not having that same representation. Um, and I mean, we see it more uh, state, state level legislate, legislators um, and legislative bodies, but certainly looking um, to see more representation at the federal level. Um, we, and I should have mentioned this earlier, but Mothering Justice did two statewide polls this year, mm. one in January pre-COVID and one during um, the pandemic. And something that came out of the first one in January, and we um, uh, did this in partnership with the national, we did this poll in partnership with the National Women's Law Center, um, where we polled Black women voters, and we found that 83 83- um, say that political candidates are are not present um, in or engaged in their community. Hmm. Uh, Eight and 10 are ignoring their concerns and seven and 10 say that political candidates um, are not working to address the issues that are most important to them. So when you couple that with, uh, again, being one of the most loyal voting blocks and then these very women who, who you know, all are voters uh, historically and presently, 
um, but still feeling that at in the in the end their issues are not being um, lifted up. That's a problem, and I think is is very um, is it's a ripe time for. Uh, women, especially women of color, to be represented at every level, uh, quite frankly. And so that's what we're we're constantly lifting up at Mothering Justice and looking forward to. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I would expect that there were, are going to be a lot of women in this administration. I think it's going to be a much more diverse administration, not only than what the Trump administration was, but perhaps even more than we saw with uh, with President Obama, given the, the the things that have happened for the last four years, and I think some of the reaction uh, to that. But again, you know, the question is how you make that matter to people, and how you make it matter to people who are uh, so disconnected from policy in Washington and whose lives. Uh, often uh, seem disconnected from the policy making. I mean, I, I would imagine that's one of the things that you guys are really yeah. focused on right now is making sure this touches the people who need it the most. Yeah, absolutely. And we, um, I mean, yes, yeah, all about education. Uh, and we have, we actually have three um, fellowship programs at Mothering Justice that, um, you know, there there's certainly three different uh, programs that folks can join. Um, the first one is <clears throat> the first one is our movement fellowship, where it's sort of like a one-on-one um, of everything: one-on-one in, in policy, one-on-one um, in organizing and communications, so on and so forth. And uh, moms, and uh, you know, you don't have to be a mom, but certainly identify as a woman of color. Uh, you you learn sort of the basics of all of those uh, topics and more um, so that you, you do feel equipped when we go to lobby days, for instance, um, we have another event called the state of, uh, in addition to our lobby days, we also do uh, the state of the mama. There's the, the mama inserted again, but we do that around the state of the state and the state of the union. So through these fellowships, um, you know, our moms and again, women of color feel more connected around um, you know, they can, they can better connect the issues to policy. Um, and it's a wonderful, wonderful program. The next program we have is uh, Accountability Academy. And this program is actually uh, one of our most popular ones. We always have a, um, we always have a waiting list every year, but it's for white women um, to actually learn how to stand in true allyship with women of color um, and, you know, learning ab about the history of activism within the Black community, especially among Black women and also other movements um, amongst, you know, within the within people, the people of color community. And so that one is uh, really intense. We get folks from all over the country. We actually have had some international folks in Australia and Canada join us there. And then our third one is Mama's University. And that one is more geared toward um, moms who are looking to run for office. They're looking to see how they can um, be active right now. We had a mom, and I need to check in and see how she did, but we had a mom who was running in California or a school board in California. So those are the ways that we sort of try to bring people into the fold and help them fight with us essentially around uh, justice issues. Mm. 
Uh, I want to take one more call before we uh, break with this segment. Aaron and Jefferson Chalmers. Aaron, welcome to the show. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, Ebony. Hey. Good morning. I would like your opinion as to why Joe Biden does not support and, in fact, opposes single-payer health care, which would be a giant step in the right direction. That's a great question, Aaron. Uh, I'm not sure I would put it exactly that way. I think uh, Joe Biden has said that he doesn't support Medicare for all, which is a specific program that would bring us single payer health care. He's also said, though, that he thinks things are probably headed that way. And he does support a public option, which would uh, which would move us in that direction. But you're right that he hasn't he hasn't embraced the most radical change, uh, you know, to happen uh, immediately. Uh, Ebony, I wonder what that says to you and the issues that uh, your organization is is fighting to to advocate for. Sure. So, I mean, it certainly can't, can't get into the weeds of it, but, um, you know, there are a number of policies that I think um, you know, aren't as, as um, progressive as we, we, we'd love for them to be. I mean, I think this being one of them, but we kind of, I think already knew that, um, you know, we were, we were not going to get sort of a, a Bernie Sanders, um, especially around healthcare. But I think the important thing for this administration to do is to stay in communication with folks on the ground um, and to better, um, just like what we do at Mothering Justice, we, we don't really make any moves, any major moves without knowing um, uh, how the people will, res- will respond. And if this is something that the people truly want, um, it's, this is not something that is directly in our policy agenda. Um, but I think that it makes sense when we continue our conversation around Black maternal health and um, the health of other uh, women of color, mm-hmm. um, I think it. I think it makes sense to add to the discussion in the future, especially as we hope to uh, get the ear, uh, you know, um, of of VP Elect Harris. Mm. So I, I think that's a great question, and and I hope that we can, uh, you know, get that answer one one of these days soon. Okay, Emily Taylor, Executive Director of Mothering Justice, a Detroit-based advocacy group. It was really great to have you here with us for this conversation. Thank you very much. I, I, the pleasure was all mine. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we'll have you back soon. We're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Governor Whitmer's new COVID orders and what they mean for businesses across the state and what they mean from a public health perspective. And we want to hear from you. What's your reaction to the idea of going back to life pretty much the way we had it in the spring when the pandemic first hit us? Are we moving backward? Are we moving forward? Which way are we going? And how are you going to survive essentially a new form of lockdown? 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. We'll be right back.